So good to see everybody here this morning. I feel really at home after hearing Wood's rate of speech and Ray's rate of speech. Where I, I can jump right in here and talk as fast as I want. So I did, that part's really, really good. I just really feel at home. So before we go any farther, I'm going to turn it over to Bonnie and let her share uh, something this morning. We are excited to be here. Uh, it was a little over a year ago. We were here in November of last year. So we're excited to be here again with you guys. It's always good to be here. And um, before we go any farther, Wallace, I want to thank you for your prayer. Not that your prayer wasn't effective, but I got a lot of things going through my brain, so <laughs> I'm going to pray again. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you have in store for Broadlands. I thank you for what you have in store for the people of Broadlands. I thank you for the call, the plan, the purpose that you have for each one of them, the destiny, Lord, that you have for their lives. Father, we settle it in our own hearts, knowing that there's a call, a plan, a purpose, a destiny for everyone here in this room. And Lord, we make, make way in the spirit for those who are not yet part of Broadlands. And Lord, we invite them in. We invite them into the kingdom. We pray, Lord God, for laborers as well as those who do not know you. We thank you, Father, you're raising up sons and daughters in this place. We thank you, Lord God, that in the spirit, the doors are open wide for people to come and experience family right here. We're thankful for the quality men and women that call Broadlands their home. We're thankful for the relationships, God, that you have fostered, that you have crafted, that you have interwoven over the years. I thank you for the solidness of relationship. I thank you, Father, for their commitment to you and to each other. I thank you for the fragrance in the spirit that goes out from this place in the spirit realm. I thank you, Father, for the light that emanates out of this place and the hundreds and thousands of people around here. And we pray, Father, that your spirit would draw people to you. And as your spirit draws people to you, we pray, Father, that you would bring some of them that you're calling to be part of Broadlands Community Church. Lord, you'd draw them. Cause our paths to cross. In Jesus' precious name. Lord, we declare this place a fruitful place. We declare, Lord God, this place, a place of the presence of God. We declare, Lord God, over each and every person that's a part of Broadlands, an openness to a greater release of the power and presence of Jesus Christ in their lives. And Father, we proclaim your goodness over everyone's life here, that they would step into the fullness that God has for them that they would embrace the call, the plan, the purpose that you have for them, God. And Lord, that you would release, <clears throat> excuse me, your anointing both in them and through them. In Jesus' precious, precious name. Lord, we commit this time to you this morning. Thank you so much for everyone that's gathered here on site. For those that are joining us online as well, bless them, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of us, myself included this morning. God, speak to each one of us. 
that which we need to hear in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Honey? another part of scripture and it's being all brought together here and how amazing our God is and for me um, I try to focus on the good that's going on in the world right now because ever since sin came into the world it's the same old same old but in a different way and God does safeguard we should send those guardrails but Hang on a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray for us then. Um, it's exciting to see the church in the building this morning. Obviously, you didn't come to church. You are the church. You're well aware of that. Um, there, everything, probably almost everything we share with you this morning, Wallace, with because of his excellent teaching gift, or Woods, or Carlos, or somebody else, there might not we might not share anything new with you this morning. But know this: that things that we hit and the things that we share again are because the Holy Spirit wants to highlight them again for you. So it's exciting to see the church in the building today because the rest of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're going to be scattered throughout Loudoun County and beyond. You're going to be bringing peace where there's chaos. You're going to be bringing hope where there's discouragement. You're going to be bringing answers where there's questions. You're going to bring the power and presence of Jesus into every situation. There are going to be opportunities for you to pray for people. If you go out to eat this week, I encourage you, just as we did last night, when the server comes, when they take your order, say something like this. In just a few minutes, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything we can pray for you for? We've had powerful encounters over just that one little question. We have, we've had the, no, I'm good kind of thing, but we've had people burst into tears. We've had people sit down beside us, put their hands out. Will you pray with me? We've had cares and concerns. We, I can give you story after story after story. Not that we go out to eat that much, but story after story after story of encounters that we have. So be purposeful and intentional. I was talking to a, a young man one time who was 
back a young time, one time, it was a month ago, who was working a venue, a state fair, and there was all kinds. He said, Ron, I'm sorry. He sent me a text. He said, I am so discouraged. There are 6,000 people here tonight for this show, and they were part of the production. They were running a piece, lights or something, or audio or video or something. He said, I'm, I'm part of that team. But he said, I'm so discouraged as I look over this crowd and see these people almost worshiping this performer, and the performer, what he's performing, is certainly not godly. I am so discouraged. And I text him back. I said, but think of the impact you are having because you are there. Think of the power and presence of Jesus that is emanating out of you. And yes, there may be 6,000 people, but think of the people that will be and experience that. And because of your presence there, we'll leave that place saying, you know what? There's no life here. And begin asking questions just because of your presence and Jesus emanating out of you. And what if there's five people that go home that night and say, God, I don't know if you're real or not, but what I experienced tonight was nothing, and I'm looking for something real. Think, of the, think in those terms. You have an impact in people's lives just by showing up. And that's the key, that you show up. Bible says that the battle is the Lord's, but you still have to be there. You still have to show up. Again, probably, you know, I know Carlos and, and Wallace and these guys preach the word week in and week in, the week in, week out. I'm so excited that you're here this morning because you're here to learn. You're here to be trained and equipped. You're here to get facts so you can do more acts. Amen? You're here to be more effective this week than you were last week. And that part really excites me. That's the exciting part about coming together because we're encouraged by each other. We receive so much from each other and we we can leave this place and literally be the church that God has called us to be. God has called us to impact society. When we leave this place, and I'm getting into my message. I want Bonnie to pray here quickly. But when we leave this place, you are to leave change so that you can bring about change. Amen? Am I talking to the right group? All right, good. Honey, pray in any way that you want to. All right. Father, we're so excited that you are King and Lord and that you are ruler of our lives and that we can serve you. And I thank you um, that our hearts and our ears and our eyes would be open as the moment we step out of our homes and we hear your voice and see that culture of love, that joy. Um, that truth to people we come into contact with. And Lord, help me to even be more bold, to help us all to be more bold and come on the street corners of different little communities where followers that have been um, get their attention to see from what life is really about and who you are and um, come for a change in their lives and uh, that we are on a mission. We are on your mission. And um, not to get so focused on our things that we want to do, but that in the midst of that, to focus on what you want to do. And we thank you that your power resides within us. And we have our very people who love us in this house who rise within us every single day. And mm-hmm. we can um, just be with these awesome ladies in our communities and our surroundings and in our nation. And in the world, Lord, we just thank you that you are moving and you are working, and there's so much to be done, and and that's not being focused on, but just knowing that you are moving and working in a mighty way, and we just thank you for mm-hmm. this, this, this mm-hmm. and we praise you in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Church, we're so excited to be here. Um, I just realized last, last year when I was here, um, my message, if you remember, I think had 10 points. Um, we scaled it back this time, and we only have three points, all right? So we're, um, <laughs> what I want to share with you this morning, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Yeah, yeah. If you didn't, we can tell, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> so here's the, here's the question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? So if you're looking for a title for notes, you can write down, equipped for your call, but then underneath that, what do you see? And again, I only have three points, and I want to give um, credit, credibility here this morning um, and I can't, just like that, Wallace, he set the pace. I forget his name now. Dale Mass. There we go. Um, I want to say I want to give credit to Dale Mass. I'll try and give credit to some statements he's, that he has made. Dale is a, a, a prophetic voice uh, out of Delaware. Has written a number of books that have really impacted me. So there's some statements that I'll pull out, and I'll try and give credit to him when I do so. But the point is this: is that God has a plan, a purpose, a call, a destiny for each one of you. And that's what we want to hit on this morning. What would Broadlands be like if every one of us here in this room was living, fulfilling our plan, his plan, his purpose, his destiny for our life 100%? What would it be like? Well, let's find out. We don't have to, we don't have to guess what it's like. It's available. Uh, Psalm 130, 139, David is speaking and he's saying this. He says, uh, as I'm being formed in my mother's womb, he's talking, he's talking to God. He says, as I'm being formed in my mother's womb, you created and you wrote in the books of heaven all the days of my life before I even lived one. You know, when I realized that, it was a number of years ago, and I may have shared this before, but a number of years ago, um, by the way, I think I started coming here in 2009, something like that, I think, somewhere in that range. So uh, there's things that I may repeat from years before, that kind of thing. But when I, when I, when Psalm 139 became real to me, my prayer life changed. It wasn't so much God create something to happen today. It was much more, Lord, let me live what's already written about me. Lord, you already wrote things about me. There are things that you have for me today, and my prayers shifted from, Lord, don't fail me, to, Lord, don't let me fail you. Lord, let me fulfill, let me live what you already planned and destined for me. Each of you have a call, each of you have a destiny, each of you have a plan and a purpose given from God. You've been born in this season for this season. Unless, this is Dale Mayer's statement, unless you see yourself as God sees you, you will never come into agreement with his assignment. Let me say that again. Unless you see yourself as God sees you, you will never come into his assignment. One more time. Unless you see yourself as God sees you, God sees you as a specific way, and unless you can bring your thought process into alignment with the way he sees you, you will never fulfill his plan, his purpose, his assignment for your life. You've been created, empowered, placed here on earth right now for right now. It is not, has not been your choice, even though you made the decision to live here, to be a part of Broadlands, to do all those things. God has helped orchestrate that. Yes, you've had the final decision, but it's because of his leading in that. The mass of the universe has created you and placed you right where he wanted you. I was praying for this morning, and I was sitting in Wallace and Linda's living room. Have you ever been to their house? Okay, So there are, I counted them, 3,495 articles. No, not quite. <laughs> There are all kinds of 
decorations. It's beautiful. It's right out of a out of a catalog. It is beautiful. But as I'm sitting there and I'm looking at each of those pieces, each one is masterfully placed. The master Linda has created. If you've been to her house, you know what I'm talking about. The master Linda. How about it, Grandma? You're laughing like, yeah, yeah. Grandma has, the master has masterfully placed everything in its place so that it becomes a masterpiece. That's really a picture of the Holy Spirit at work. So as I'm sitting there praying for you guys and praying for this service this morning, I just started looking around the room and this is a, a picture of what God is doing. And each little ornament reflects and adds to the effectiveness of the other ornament. No ornament standing alone will be as beautiful as it is in the midst of all the other ornaments. You standing alone are, yes, you're precious, you're valuable, it's wonderful, but in the midst of all the other ones, you shine. And you draw from the others and you add to others. And it's just a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit orchestrates in our lives as we walk together. Thank you, Linda, for that excellent illustration. Each of you have been given an assignment by the Lord. Everyone has an assignment from Him. Listen, your assignment is not about you. It's about His objective. Even Jesus came with an assignment. He came with an objective. Luke 19.10, to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to defeat the power of the enemy, to proclaim the power of the kingdom, to expand the kingdom on the earth. Jesus came with a plan, a purpose, an objective. When he sent out the 12, the 70, the 120, he sent them out with an objective. Listen to what... John writes, as Jesus speaks, as he prays at close to the end of his life before he's crucified, John 17, he says this, after saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour's come, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. This is the key to eternal life, is to know Jesus, know you, and the one you have sent. And I brought glory. Listen, verse 4 says this, I brought glory to you here on earth. How? By completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus came with an objective. We know that. Everyone has an objective. When Jesus, again, sent out the disciples, he sent them out with an objective. Each of you have an objective. Each of you have a plan. God has a plan and a call and a purpose for each of you here on the earth. Each of you, as I said, a destiny, a call, a purpose, a destiny, a plan that God has for you. I like the way Jim Baker from Columbus, Ohio said it. He says it this way. He says, destiny is not something you manufacture by self-help book a self-help book would tell you, it's something you uncover and is revealed as you walk with God. I like to say it this way. I don't know who, I, this isn't my phrase. I coined it from somewhere. But your future is not in front of you. Your future is inside of you. 
So the best you can do is find out what's inside of you, give yourself to that, and your future will unfold before you. So your future is not so much what's planned from a, as, as Jim would say, from a self-help book, but it's revealed and uncovered as you walk with God and as you go through this experience. As we talked last, last year when I was here, we talked about testing our faith and then growing in confident faith. As you go through those circumstances, those situations, let me say it this way, everything you're going through today is preparing you for next year, for the next season. Mitch, everything you're going through right now, all the stress, if there is any, all the difficulties that you're facing is preparing you for that next season. It's all part of God's plan as he's unfolding and revealing his plan and purpose for your life. But know this again, it's not about you, it's about his objective to extend and expand the kingdom of God on the earth and he gets to use you. What a privilege, what a joy. Listen, you know that you can change the trajectory of someone's life. By, by loving them, pouring into them, and that which the enemy had them down a fast track toward destruction, you ministering to them, talking to them, praying for them, just a, a chance encounter that the Holy Spirit orchestrates, and just like that, you can change your, their trajectory. How cool is that? How cool is it to be part of a small group where you can come into relationship with people and literally watch them transform before their lives? Before your life, before your eyes. You can literally be a model. That's the beauty of the ministry, the, the model that the way God has called us to build is that we get to be involved in people's lives. We don't just come and look at the back of their head and worship the Lord and leave here unchanged. We come, we, we interact with people, we, we live life together and we're able to see people's lives change. Just by ministering to people, you can break chains off their lives. You can change family names where their bloodline literally was headed toward destruction, where there was curse after curse after curse. And just like that, by the name of Jesus Christ, you can cut those things off and literally change the trajectory of that, of that name for all eternity. Isn't that cool? That's what God, that's the way God has wired you. You've been hotwired for faith. You've been hotwired for experience. God does not just want to turn you into a believer. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to be experiencers of his goodness and grace. He wants you to live this. Not just memorize it, but live it where it's your daily experience. What an opportunity. What a joy it is to be part of a kingdom where we get to do just that. So the first point, say that was not part of my notes. (laughs) so the first point here is to fulfill his call his plan his destiny in your life is to know who you are how do you know how to be if you don't know who you are how will you know how to respond if you don't know who you are listen if we had 200 acres of ground let me put it this way there's another note i have here knowing who you are determines your actions knowing who you are changes your perspective talking to someone yesterday and about someone else that he was relating to, and I've been relating to the same individual, we're trying to help him grow, and he goes, wow, what a victim mentality that individual has. It's just one thing after another, where he's almost like sets the stage for things to happen. It's his experience, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's what you, his expectations set the stage for reality to meet his expectations, Let me say it this way. How you see yourself empowers you to walk in the reality of how you see yourself. Does that make sense? 
how you see yourself will empower you to walk in the reality of how you see yourself. So when you look in a mirror, what do you see? What do you see? If we took 200 acres of ground right here, right here in Loudoun County, and we had three individuals, one guy is a farmer, one guy is a, let's say, an educator, and one guy is a developer, and they looked at those 200 acres, the farmer would look at it and say, you know, with the price of beans at $16 a bushel and corn pushing to eight, you know, I can make some money on 200 acres on good Virginia ground. You bring an educator looking at those same 200 acres, he'd say, 200 acres? Man, we can put an elementary school, intermediate school, high school, all the fields, 200 acres, we could do it. A builder, a developer will look at it and say, 200 acres, Loudoun County? You're kidding. We need houses. Who cares about farming, man? You can farm out west. Who cares about education? They can go outside the city. 200 acres? We can make a ton of money. The only thing, it's the same 200 acres. It's the perspective at which they look at things. You can go through life, and you can go through life in a defeated mentality, expecting things to go wrong, and when something goes wrong, it's, yep, it's happening to me again. Or you can... Destroy the mic system and say, <laughs> sorry, still working? We're good. Okay, so I should not um, swing my arms around as much, maybe. Um, so, hang on a minute. There we go. Is it hanging on loosely? It's hanging on loosely. All right. Hang on a minute. Technical difficulty. All right. Let's put it up here. This is enough to cause you to lose your train of thought. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is, this is really a good morning to be here. Go ahead, tell them. <laughs> now tell them this. Turn to your neighbor and say, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the best looking person here. Go ahead, tell them that. <laughs> All right. How you see yourself will empower you to walk in the reality of how you see yourself. As I was preparing this morning and looking over my notes again for a final, just <laughs> final review, I glanced at my email and I got a blog. I, there's a, a, a guy I subscribe to on a daily basis and I got a blog and this was the name of the blog. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? I was like, well, that's pretty good confirmation. <laughs> and he, he said something along these lines. He said, how you see yourself will almost cause a chain reaction of your life experience. So he said, if you see yourself as someone who has no friends, the next person that gets close to you, you will cause circumstances and situation to happen so that you will push them away and you will again become a person with no friends. Basically what he's saying is the way you see yourself will empower you to walk in the reality of how you see yourself. Do yourself, see yourself as an overcomer or someone who is under attack. As we said last November, you go from testing your faith to exercising your faith. Number two. So the first one is see yourself. Um, um, as you look in the mirror, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as, no, no, sorry. <laughs> Knowing who you are. Somebody pray for me. Honey, pray for me. <laughs> My mind goes, ah. Father, thank you. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for getting my mind back on track in Jesus' precious name. Second point. Here we go. Second one is this. You have to like who you are. Not only do you, you have to like who you are for you to fulfill God's plan and God's purposes. So not only know who you are, but you have to like who you are. There are people who, don't like who, who do not like who they are. 
Listen, God wired me this way because of what he had for me. God wired Wallace the way he is so that he could be a good teacher. It doesn't mean that we say, well, this is just the way I am, so, you know, put up with it. Uh, this is what you get. No, we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to become more like Christ. But God wired you in such a way so that you can fulfill his potential that he has for you. The old man says this, if you deny who you really are, you deny the destiny that God has for you. Fundamentally, God has created you the way you are to do what he has called you to do. Sometimes it's even in your name. My name, Ronald, means strong leader. So from the point I was born, my parents spoke that word over me. Strong leader, come for dinner. Strong leader, put your toys away. Strong leader, go do your work. Strong leader, stop talking like that. Strong leader, go to your bedroom. They, they constantly spoke that. So the enemy, knowing that, sets up plans and strategies to hinder that from ever taking place. Hence, I was stuttering as a young child. I, I was told and what I remember almost every morning going to first grade I cried almost every morning because I hated to leave the house I was so much of a introvert I was so so scared of life in fact they they told me I remember this son if you Ron if you will not cry for one week we will buy you this in a little international tractor that you really want I couldn't do it I, I could not go one week without crying. I still got the tractor. I'm not sure what that taught me, but, but the point is this. I cried. Even at 12, I was afraid to go stay at friends' houses overnight because there was so much fear inside of me. And now, look at what God has done. Okay? So sometimes when, when, we, when we know and, and when we proclaim the destiny that God has for us and it becomes aware that, listen, let me put it this way. The kingdom of God is always on the offense, never on the defense. The enemy is always on the defense trying to hinder and hold back what God is doing and what God plans to do. So let me say that again. The kingdom of God is never on the defense. It's always on the offense. It's always pressing forward. It's always moving forward. It's the enemy. The things you're experiencing from the enemy, the, the strategies, the resistance, that's not offensive. That's defensive. The enemy knows what's happening. The enemy can see what's taking place. The enemy can see the call of God in your life. And the enemy is trying to throw up roadblocks and hindrances to try and keep you and hinder you from fulfilling really what God has for you. So the first key to becoming all that God intended us to em- intended is to embrace the way he's created you. Again, doesn't mean you d- you're not mature. You don't mature. My personality is part of who God is. Listen, every personality unsanctified has negative aspects to it. You can take a strong-willed child, like we had a child that said this. I said, you can go to the edge. Bonnie and I would say, this is your limits. This is where you can go. They would go to the edge, but they would lean over. That was just their personality. I'm still on the edge, Dad. Yeah, but you're leaning pretty hard. It's okay. I'm still on the edge, Dad. Unsanctified, it can become rebellion. Sanctified, they become world changers. Sanctified, they are not afraid to approach people and say, this needs to change. They are not afraid to stand where there's injustice. They're not afraid to stand up for what is right. Unsanctified, it becomes rebellion. Sanctified, it becomes a tool in God's hands. An introvert, unsanctified, can become judgmental and critical. Sanctified becomes someone who's a listener and who can really speak wisdom when wisdom comes. And they're they're able to take in all kinds of information and at the right time, boom, they deliver. 
That's why I love introverted people because you, like it's, you, sometimes you have to pull things out of them. But when you can pull something out, it is not the flamboyant stuff like I deliver sometimes. It is full of wisdom and power. It's like, wow, why didn't I think of that? It's sanctified. It's their personality that God has given. So again, the first thing is to know who you are. The second point is to like who you are. Let me just pray for you right now, right now. There are people in this room right now, not because this is not prophetic. This is just knowing people's life. There are people here right now who, who do not, you do not like who you are. You say, if only I could be like this person. If only I could be, uh, some of you uh, are like me, <laughs> where you, you're a big talker at times, and you, I wish I could be quieter sometimes. And there's areas that can grow in. I'm not saying that. But then there's other people who are not as talkative, and I wish I could talk more. I wish I could, do, I wish I could share more. And again, it's all part of growing. It's all part of maturing. But the point is this embrace the way God has created you to be because there's a plan and a purpose that he has for you and a role for you to fulfill that's why he wired you that way Lord I pray father for everyone here in this room Lord I pray that they would get to the place where they're willing to accept the way you've created them to be that they can step into that which you have for them number one know who they are number two that they would accept who they are and even begin to enjoy the way you've created them to be in Jesus' precious name. And the third point I want to share with you this morning is can you see what God sees? And we're going to take the remainder of our time here this morning. This you'll never reach your full potential unless you can see what God sees. Now, when you look in the mirror, you'll never be able to see everything that God sees or you probably become proud, arrogant, a little bit too confident. Yeah, I got this kind of thing. And I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about being overconfident. But I'm talking about, do you see what God sees? Can you see the potential that God has for you? Listen to James chapter 1. Don't fool you, this is verse 22. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Act on what you hear. The things that I share with you this, this morning, not even so much the things that I share, but the things the Holy Spirit will pick up on. Act on the things the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. Listen to verse 23. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Listen, the Word of God is like a mirror. It shows us what's available to us. Looking in the Word of God, and it says if you read the Word of God and you look in the mirror, it reveals who you really are. But if you don't take note of it, if you don't make decisions based on that, you walk away and you forget what you really are or really what you really look like. So, when I read the word, I should see myself. If I don't see myself, I need to ask myself what needs to change. It's not corrective as much as it is bringing change for opportunity for you to become more like Christ. So don't read the word in a condemning way of saying, well, I'm, like, I'm not like this. No, it's showing you what is available to you. It's taking you from being believers to experiencers where you experience what God is saying. So it's not corrective as much as it is revealing to you there's something better for your life. When you look in a mirror and you see lettuce in your teeth, you remove it, right? How many, am I the only one? How many have ever come out of a meeting or someplace public and you go and you look in the mirror and you see something on your face and you're like, didn't anybody see that or be bold enough to tell me you got something hanging on your nose? You might want to check into that. Is it, I'm the only one that ever experienced that? No, we need friends who are willing to say, you got lettuce in your teeth, you got something hanging out of your ear, whatever, whatever. 
Listen, we all look in a mirror. Why? Because we want to look our best. There's no one looks in a mirror and say, hmm, you look too nice. I'm going to mark that up. No, we look in the mirror and say, you know, I think my hair looks better behind my ear. I used to say that when I had hair, but I like hair down over my ears. You know, whatever. But you, you want to look your best. So when you read the word of God, it's not a condemning thing. It's there's so much more that is available for me. Holy Spirit, show me how to implement it, how to apply it to my life. When you look in the mirror of the word of God and you read what you read isn't you, it gives you an opportunity to make an adjustment. Listen to verse 25. I love the way the living writes it here, living translation. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life. Are you preaching on freedom here lately? Did I catch that last night? The free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it. Listen, what he's saying is this, is whoever reads the word, he says in the first verses, if you look and read it and walk away and forget it, you, you're unchanged. You forget what you look like. But if you read the word of God, listen to what he says here, and, and you, you catch a glimpse of what's available to you, my paraphrase, that free life, even out of the, even out of the corner of your eye and stick with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man and woman of action. That person will find the light and affirmation in the action. Jesus says, be people of action. Act on what you read. When you change your life to come into alignment to the word, that's me. I'm an overcomer. I'm loving, kind, forgiving. Whatever you read in the word, that's me. That's what's available to you. So when you read something that isn't you, It's not condemning. It's just that I can be like that. Holy Spirit, work in me what you need to work in me so that I can be like that. Act on what you hear today. So here's a question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see what God sees? Or do you try and put on God what you see? You've been created in God's image. The next time you have a tendency to look down on somebody else. Remember this, they've been created in God's image. Doesn't matter what their background, doesn't matter what their culture, they've been created in God's image. Every person on the face of the earth has been created in God's image. And when we have that perspective, it totally softens some of our criticalness that we have of others. Children are often a reflective of their parents. Said your daughter this morning, you look at your dad, you look like your mom. My son showed a picture of himself when he was six years old to his six-year-old son. He said, here, Noah, that was me when I was your age. Noah looked at him and said, when did you take that picture, dad? That's me. I, I don't remember you taking that picture. He said, no, no, this is me. No, no, dad, that's me. I know that's me. That looks just like me. That's me. But I don't know when you took that picture. Dad, when did you take that picture? Because he looked so much like his dad. Looked so much like his son, looked like his dad, dad looked like his son. We're a reflection of the father. So when people encounter me, they should encounter Jesus. I should reflect Christ. Here's a litmus test. Any situation I walk away from, any situation I bring to a close, I should be able to launch into sharing Jesus with them. Whatever the situation, no matter how difficult, and I have a number of those that I can share with you, but we don't have time. Any situation you're walking through, challenging situations or circumstances, at the end, you should be able to launch into, can I tell you about Jesus, tell you about the hope that is within me? That's the way we're to live our lives, where it naturally can progress into that. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When you look in the mirror of the word, we should see more of Jesus in our lives. Each of you are a reflection of the father's heart with what you're doing in your life. If it's, hard, if it's hard for you to imagine Jesus doing what you're doing, if it's hard for you to imagine Jesus thinking what you're thinking, there's a pretty good reason then you shouldn't be thinking or doing it either. That's a great litmus test. If it'd be hard for you to imagine Jesus saying what you're saying, doing what you're doing, thinking what you're thinking, immediately my mind goes back to, I remember driving down 501 one time and I was just going through Sometimes I, my mind can dwell on the negative. Sometimes my mind can dwell on, the, on the, the bad things that can happen. I know that I'm the only one in the room that ever thinks that. But sometimes I, my mind can shift to the negative and I, was, I can go to the right place, a, pl- a place called the pretzel hut. And I was driving, I can still, and this was years ago, I remember driving past and I'm thinking, and all of a sudden I thought, I don't think Jesus is thinking this. Then why am I thinking this? I, t- I rebuke this. I am not going to dwell on this. I'm not even going to think on this. I'm going to think on the positive side, the flip side of things. Some people have carnival mirrors. Have you ever been to a carnival? You look in and there's those curved ones. You know, it makes a guy like me look like seven feet tall. Or it makes a guy like Wallace look like two feet tall, stubby legs, you know, that kind of thing. Many people look through a carnival mirror. The key word is distorted. They look in the mirror and they see themselves as a distorted view of themselves and then listen they try and project on god this is who i really am just about run out of time let me do it this way exodus a number of weeks ago i was reading through exodus chapter uh, exodus 3 this is a story of moses i'll paraphrase it for you so this is moses moses you know the story um moses is uh, really ordained of god to set the people free but he makes a mistake, and anyway, for 40 years, he's on the backside of a desert. He fled Egypt, and where the children of Israel were, and went over to Midian, and he's, so he's on the backside of a desert over there. And all of a sudden, as he's tending sheep, he sees a bush that's in flame. And the Bible says that he is drawn aside, he notices the bush, and he draws aside, like that tree over there, that tree's bursting in flame. Now, the Bible does not say he draws aside because the thing is burning. It says he's drawn aside. Maybe it was natural for a bush to burn in the, in the desert. I have no idea. But it says he's drawn aside because not that the bush was burning, but because it was burning and it wasn't being consumed. It was more of the little thing. Let me take a segue with that sidebar. It's the little things in life that sometimes uh, create the opportunities for the miraculous to happen. One of the most, not one of the most, the most powerful miracle I ever experienced, I almost walked away from, I almost missed. So I was talking to the individual, and I said, and we were talking, and I said, yeah, the, yeah the, the church is praying. And I walked away. I said, hey, the church is praying. I was going to pray for her, and the, well, the church is praying. As I turned to walk away, the Holy Spirit said, you can pray too. Oh, what a great idea. But I thought, on my mind, well, the church is praying, everyone's praying. And I turned around and prayed, and the Holy Spirit miraculously healed her leg. I could have walked away. Listen, it's those little things. I think, I think God put the little thing there to see if Moses would respond. Listen, God could have spoke out of the bush, hey, Moses, over here. But he didn't. He just created the bush, had it burning, had it not being consumed to see if Moses would be drawn to it. Moses was drawn to it. And only when he got over to it, I don't know, maybe I get out of range here. Only when he got over to the bush did God speak. It was only when he got close to it, God said, 
He began to speak to him. And then God lays out this whole plan for him, his destiny, his call. He says, this. He says Moses, I've heard my children. I've heard the children of Israel. They're crying. Again, my own paraphrase. 400 years they've been in bondage. They're crying, and I want to set them free. Moses, I'm going to use you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First of all, go to your leaders. Go back to your leaders. You used to be there, but I want you to go back, and I want you to tell them that I am sent you. Because Moses said, well, if I go back, who should I say sent me? Tell them I am sent you. And he said, well, what if they don't believe me? Okay, well, he said, you have a staff in your hand. Throw it on the ground. So he throws it on the ground, becomes a snake. He said, pick it up by his tail. He picks it up, becomes a rod again. He said, if they don't believe that, put your hand in your jacket, puts his hand in, pull it out, becomes white as leprosy, white with leprosy, just skin falling off, put it back in, puts it back in, pull it out, pull it out, totally healed. If they don't believe those two things, pour some water on the ground that'll turn to blood. And out of those three things, they will believe that I sent you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go and demand that he releases all my children into the desert so that they can come and worship me. I want you to go before Pharaoh. Now, he's going to harden his heart. He's not going to let you go. But in the end, I'm going to use you and perform miracle after miracle after miracle. It's going to be an amazing thing. And in the end, he is going to release you. And not only will he release you, he's going to send you out and you're going to be able to plunder the Egyptians. You're going to take all their gold, all their silver, all their bling, everything they have, they're going to send with you just to get you out of there. He explains all those things to Moses. And then Moses, instead of listening to what God is saying for him to do, Moses tried to convince God to see himself the way he sees himself. And he says this, my paraphrase, um, I don't think I can do that. I don't know how to speak right. That's what he says. I don't know how to speak. And God then says, son, don't you know who created your mouth? I can change your mouth. I can do this. Just believe me. I can do this. This is what I've created you for. Moses continues to argue back with God and say, and not, not trying to help him see God, show me, like Mary did, when, when uh, the angel Gabriel showed to her and said, you're going to become pregnant. Hey, whatever, do whatever you want to do with me. Moses kicks back. Moses saying, no, 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 I can't. I can't talk. I'm afraid. Look, this is Moses said, it says in Luke, was schooled in all the ways of the Egyptians. This Pharaoh, he grew up with the Pharaoh that he would be going to see. He was a adoptive child of, of the original, not the original, but a Pharaoh's daughter. So he was the adoptive child. He grew up in the palace. That king, the end of verse chapter 2, that king died. A new pharaoh comes into play, which would have been in the palace, which Moses would have grown up with. He's going back to talk to him. He knows what he's doing. He's going on his home turf. He was schooled in all the ways of the Egyptians, but he saw himself as inferior. He saw himself as not being able to do it. He tried to convince God, I can't do it. He tried to get God to see himself the way he saw himself instead of saying, Lord, show me what I can do. Help me see myself the way you see me. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the problem that many people encounter today. We try, God tells us to do something. God says, this is the plan I have for you. And we say, well, I can't do it. Well, no, you can't do it without him. I remember when we had our fifth child. Bonnie was pregnant with our fifth child. And I, was, I remember I was, I was in a barn. Uh, we had, they had remodeled an upstairs in a barn. And I was praying. And I was praying that day. And I said, Lord, Lord Jesus, five children. Whew. I said, Lord, do I have what it takes to train five children? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, no. And I was like, huh. 
oh no. He only left my leg up for 15 seconds. He said, that's why you need me. So he doesn't, listen, he doesn't call us to walk the plank. He doesn't call us to go out on our own. He says, I will be with you, Moses. I'll be with you every step of the way. Just launch out. This is what I've created for you. Listen, every threshold that we have walked through in our lives, every one of them. I proposed to Bonnie when I was 18. Think of the faith it took for her to say yes. All right. We, we, we built our house at 21. We had our first child at 22. Two, I think. Um, I bought into a into a, a partnership at 28. We b- became a sole proprietor of a large farming operation at at 32 or 28 or something. And plant, and then we plant each of those things. Like I could go through my life. Each of those thresholds was faced with fear. Was faced with, do you have what it takes? was faced with, faced with anxiety, was faced with uh, a, a threshold. So when Joshua finally takes the children of Israel into the promised land, the Bible says three times the Lord speaks to Joshua and he says, be strong and courageous. Three times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Every threshold of everything that God has called you to, and by the way, sidebar here, when you receive a word from the Lord and you begin to step out. You need to know that it's the Lord saying because I guarantee you whether it's starting a business, a ministry, a church, whatever that major thing is, even a marriage, you need to know this is what God says because there will come a time where that'll be the very thing that you will have to fall back on. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I know this is what you said. I remember when I bought the farm and I was sitting on, on uh, four bags of solar salt and I was sitting there crying and, and I, and I, but I felt the Lord said, I want you to buy Buy it, son. I'm with you. Buy it. Buy it. And I signed the papers. But there were many times, or not many times, a number of times over the next few years where I, could, I had to go back to, Lord, I know what you spoke to me three years ago, four years ago, and I stand on what you spoke to me. Therefore, we will go get through this. Told another sidebar here, and then we're going to end with this. Um, one other verse. I think so. Everything, as I said, God is taking you through today is to prepare you for tomorrow. When you embrace the season of life, the challenges, the difficulties that you're going through, it's preparing you for that next thing. It's testing your faith so that you can take steps in confident faith, so that you can grow into all that he has for you. Hmm. All right, let me wrap it up. Verse 3, right, let me get the context here, jumping around on my notes. Verse 3 of Joshua chapter 1 says this, Every place that you place your foot, I have given it to you. You can't get it without placing your foot there. That may seem idiotic, it may seem, well, duh, but I find people who say things like this, well, if it's the Lord's will, it'll really happen. Really? Maybe. Maybe not. To practice law in Virginia, you have to go to law school. There's no other way around it. To cut hair in Virginia or Pennsylvania or Maryland or any other state probably, maybe not Wyoming, but in every other state, you have to have a license to cut hair. So you can't, uh, there's times 
there's times where you you have to take the steps you have to go through the process you have to step there and accept and step into that which god has for you so every place that the foot treads is yours i have given it to you larry randolph says this i'm going to close with this statement and then one verse after this larry randolph says this god is obligated to fulfill his promises He's not obligated to fulfill your potential. That's up to you. That's worth repeating. God is obligated to fulfill his promise. There are things in the word we can stand on. God, there's a kingdom economy. If you're struggling financially, there's a kingdom economy. God says, I will give seed to the sower and bread to eat. You can stand on that in any culture. I can preach that in any culture, any nation of the world. God will give you enough to take care of your own needs and give you excess that you can give to somebody else. You can stand on it. You can go to the bank on that. That is solid. That's a promise. He will fulfill that. He will fulfill his promises. He's obligated to fulfill his promises. He's not obligated to fulfill your potential. That's up to you. That's where you need to step in. So being strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Everywhere your foot takes you, he says, I've already given it to you. Romans 12, verse 2, and we're going to close with this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Let me read that again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being conformed to this world is accepting the limitations that the world places on you. Being conformed to this world is is accepting the lies that the enemy has spoken about you. Being conformed to this world is looking at things in the natural instead of looking at things in the supernatural. Being conformed to this world is limiting. Being formed to Christ is unlimiting. Being conformed to the power and presence of Jesus brings the supernatural into the natural. Supernatural is natural for Jesus. Supernatural is natural. Spirit is natural. The world around you, the spirit world around you is pregnant with things. Broadlands Community Church was not birthed It was not conceived in the heart of Wallace and Linda. I believe it was conceived in the heart of God, and then it was birthed in the heart of Wallace and Linda, and then Wallace and Linda, I believe I told you this the last time, Wallace and Linda then took it out of the spirit world and brought it into the flesh, and what you see here is a result of them standing in the gap, seeing something in the spirit, and then seeing a birth in the flesh. There are books here in this room waiting to be written. There are businesses waiting to be started. There are things that God wants to do, and he's waiting for you to initiate, to step into that which God has for you, to see challenges as opportunities for a new beginning. Listen, almost everyone here in this room, for what I know, has already made the decision to follow Christ. Why not make the decisions that see it be the most powerful thing you've ever done? Why settle for second best? Why settle for something something limiting? Why settle for something that's here? Listen, one of the most discouraged, I don't want to speak for Wallace, but I pastored for 12 years, pastored a local church. One of the most discouraging things for me was this, to see someone living at this level when they could have lived at this level. To see someone functioning at this level with the gifts that they had and they could have been functioning at at this level. That is because it's it's wasted reality of what God has given them and God has so much potential each one of you not to compare yourself to anyone else i may be uh, it's not that it's not that it's important to function here if you can function up here the important is you're functioning where god has placed you into the full capacity that he has for you in jesus name let's pray thank you lord god thank you lord jesus thank you lord jesus
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Church, I'm going to invite you this morning. If there's anyone here that you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or you want to rededicate your life, maybe this morning, as I've even shared, and you're living at this level when you really have the potential to live at this level. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life, I want, I want you or, or Wallace, we want to pray with you afterwards if that's you. And if there's anyone here this morning that, and in fact, why don't you just go ahead and all stand to your feet a while. We're going to worship the Lord in just a minute here. So go ahead and stand to your feet. But if you're here this morning and you want to make a fresh decision to be all he's created you to do, if you want to make that fresh decision, I'm just going to pray. If that's you, just embrace it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because the Lord knows what your heart is anyway, and showing of hands would just speak to me. And I, I, I don't need to be spoken to. I just want God's will and his plan and purpose to flesh out in your life. So, Father, I pray, Lord, those who are raising their hands in their heart, those who are saying, God, I want to be all that you've called me to be. God, those who are saying, I, I don't want to... I, I, I don't want to um, come in below my potential. God, I want to function and flow into the potential that you've created me to be. First of all, Father, I thank you. I know who I am. Second of all, Father, I like the way you created me. Thirdly, Father, I ask you would help me see what you see as I look in the mirror in Jesus' precious name. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, those who are raising their own hand in their heart, saying, God, that's me. God, I, I want to fulfill your complete potential that you have for my life. Now, Lord, I ask that you would infiltrate. I ask that you would come alongside. I ask that you would silence the lie of the enemy. I ask that you would remilt the guilt, the shame. Some of you here, there's at least one person here who feels like your past disqualifies you. The mistake you made disqualifies you. And in reality, the mistake you made can be the very thing that now you're qualified. Because the very thing, the mistake you made now, you learned that you'll never make that mistake again. And now you're qualified to step into that next level and next realm that God has for you. God, I pray blessing on my brothers and sisters here in Broadlands. I thank you for growth that's happening. I thank you for life in the spirit that's taking place here. And I pray blessing upon them this morning in Jesus' precious, precious name. If you made that decision this morning, you want to pray with me or talk with me or Bonnie and Wallace and Linda afterwards, any of the elders, please do. We're here to bless you. We're here to pray with you. Jesus' name.